Well, it's a dynamic duo, we'll be back again. Nothing back with DJ, you better pack it in. You're lacking sense. Trying to tangle with us, scoop up a big black booties in the back of the bus to smack you. You're stealing your lunch, money to search. Ready to feel like just a touch. Only by the end of the day, that's understandable. What can I say? You got strong man to be. Mind, mind, We, however, always sound magnificent, thanks to your do, do we so. not? Except for the, the last couple of episodes where I've been fucking hotter than a ghost reaper chili, um, and I've been trying to figure out how to back me back myself off. So hopefully we've we've nailed that this week. But just just in case, I've decided to record outside Bezo style al fresco. Apology for the lack of crickets. Um, we just don't seem to have them. Wow. Speaking of cricket, shall we shall we start about how how much more I'm invested in the World Cup now that New Zealand have knocked off England? It's like, oh, yes, hello, another World Cup started like overnight. You know, this is our fourth oh, World Cup in the last fucking nine months, so uh, you're a little bit fatigued. I thought, oh, I actually hadn't worked, hadn't even realised the World Cup was on until I saw the Google Doodle, and then I woke up well, this morning to discover New Zealand literally because I I'd watched the first over of the England New Zealand game and and England just was just smacking sixes everywhere and I thought oh fuck here we go and I switched over to the Australia West Indies women's game uh, and then I woke up yep. this morning to find out that uh, New Zealand had absolutely destroyed England uh, laid yep. waste to them beat them with 10 overs to spare or thereabouts so um, with, with some kid that had yeah I think it was his fifth first class century or something not a bad way to do it yeah Devin Conway and Ruchin Ravindra the so it's, it's kind of a the story of, of modern New Zealand one dude who moved from South Africa and, and one one dude of, of Indian migrant extraction so uh, those are those are pretty much New Zealand's cricketers these days okay I know we've talked about this before but I, I think it is absolutely definitive now that the New Zealand cricket team is the professional sporting team that punches above its weight the most. Over over a long period of time, like yeah. if you consider the amount of people that they've got to, um, now some sometimes that can help, right? Sometimes y- y- you know when you like you can afford to give someone that's in not the best form a little bit longer because yeah. there's not necessarily the the players, you know, you're not getting that Langer, uh, Slater, Hayden sort of churn. dynamic where yeah. everyone's you've got to pick and stick you, know, you can't just churn through people if they fail once you've really got to stick with them and also team building and like all those little other things like you know if you can just muscle through with talent and this is actually one of the things i, I really like about sport i'm doing now is, is the analogy of like if you're really strong you can just sort of power your way through a certain amount of work but they'll get to a point where you have to be able to finesse it you know you have to you have to have the requisite skills and that's sort of how I feel about New Zealand. It's like they can't afford just to, you know, like their coaching has to be spot on. Their fielding has to be – everything has to be spot on or they're, they're not even going to be in the in the hunt, let alone yeah. as good as they have been. They've got to constantly maximise every little last 5% or 1%, whereas, you know, England can phone elements in and, and India can phone elements in. Uh, and even Australia, although Australia's talent level, I'd argue, was not a, not what it was back in the nineties or two thousands. 
No. They don't have a head and shoulders talent advantage like the Australian women's team had until relatively recently. It's been interesting to watch the West Indians take games off them. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Uh, and that's really encouraging for women's football. Essentially. I was going right. to say, just, I've just said women's football because I was immediately thinking about women's football because of the, the Women's World Cup. Again, there's been a... a um, a stepping up of talent from all the non-superpower teams. But it's great for international sport that women's women's sport is elevating at in, in the kind of the non-core, non-peak professional kind of environments. But it's shit for countries like Australia who have and, and America for that example, for yeah. that matter, who have coasted on the fact that they've just been able to out-resource uh, the rest of the world because they've they've – resourced women's sport better than – even in the pathetic way that they have resourced women's sport, they've resourced it better than a lot of the rest of the world. No longer the case. It, it's it's The funny thing about cricket, though, is you could like, – we've had these sort of upstart teams happen before, but yep. the, uh, the machinery of cricket sort of – you know, Sri Lanka gets ground back down, you know, the yep. West Indies gets ground back down. It's, it's sort of like the only ones that are allowed to have any sustained – Maybe not success, but profit are the big three. But that, that's a that's a golden generation thing as much as anything, and that happens even in football, where there aren't the big three. There's the big entire continents or entire confederations. But yeah, the number of countries that have had a golden generation and made, say, the semi-finals of a World Cup or something like that, be Bulgaria and Sweden and Turkey and Korea and fucking uh, Ghana, you know, Uruguay, you know, all these countries that have had sporadic moments where they were genuinely in the top four in the world. And then, and, and you can say the same in, in cricket. I mean, think of the, the Kenyan team in the mid-90s. I mean, Kenya barely even play cricket anymore, but for a moment there, they were amazing. So, okay, this is a, a little side note on the same sort of thing, but what's your view on the, the six nations getting the next or the one after the next World Cup? Because I was thinking about it and I'm like, well, they're never going to give Morocco a World Cup, right? Mm. <laughs> Morocco's not getting a whole World Cup. So, yeah, like, you could never accuse FIFA of, of being foresighted and, and actually trying to do something that's good for the game. But I sort of thought, well, at least that way those smaller countries are getting games of a World Cup. It, it is a weird – It's a bit, I haven't really looked into the detail of it, but it does seem quite weird because it's like, you know, Spain and Portugal and whatever get the World Cup. But also, let's also invite some of their former colonial properties to take part and they can host some preliminary games. I mean, Morocco was, was a Spanish protectorate there for quite a period. In fact, there is yeah. still a little bit of Morocco that is Spanish territory. It's kind of where a lot of the asylum seekers from North Africa go to to try and um, try to get into Spain. Two young fellows who play for Athletic, Bil- uh, Athletic Bilbao, um, th- their family got to uh, got to Bilbao that way was was through that. They're actually now you know full fledged members of the Spanish national team, and ironically enough, um, because Bilbao only picks players who are Basque. Because they first, it's a little bit like Queensland origin, because they, they played their first football in Spain in the Basque country, they count as Basque, even though they came from North Africa. Um, yeah, right. So that, I mean, it's a little bit, it's not quite as weird as claiming Greg Inglis is a Queenslander because he came from Barrowville, but, um, uh, speaking of which, how did that, um, I, I, I was away on the weekend, I missed this. How did that, that whole, like, all Brisbane grand final thing turn out? I, I, I missed, can, can you let me know how that, how that worked yeah, out? Not, not so great. And, and I think actually. Did, did you, you even the, win the, the, the New South Wales Cup versus Queensland Cup game or did South win that? I, I missed, I missed the briefing. 
I'm pretty sure. Uh, you know, I didn't see that one. But, yeah, but, but, I, I, th- I, th- I think I, I did look that one up, and, and I think Souths beat all of Queensland again. So, you know, weird. Um, so, someone posted that the Queensland teams were in in all four. You know the AFL women's, the the, the AFL oh, men's, yeah. the NRL women's, and the NRL men's because Brisbane women's and Gold Coast women's made the final and had lost the four finals with a combined by a combined margin of sixteen points. And I was like, man, that's rough. That is like but- not even one getting over the line into like all close games, no blowouts. I, I think I think um, don't bury the lead. The, the real point there is is there was an AFL grand final that was close ish mm. because normally they are like ninety point drubbings yeah. these days. Um Oh man, the, the NRL game was so frustrating. I, I can't, I can't sit there and watch it with coach's brain. And I, uh, I sort of tried to ask some like proper rugby league people questions, and I just <laughs> they got just grunted at you <laughs> through their own feces. Well, I, I find the answers really frustrating. It's like, well, you know, this is that they sort of they sort of believe that this is going to be the outcome, and I'm like, but how the fuck would you know? You're not. The, the way to test a hypothesis is to actually do it, right? Not to just go, well, I think this will happen, so I'm not going to do it. <laughs> it's just because nobody wants to get it, fired. It, it's it's conservative no, coach brain. That's that's a, that absolutely correct. Absolutely dead right. And, that's why, and, and, what, and it, as we've been saying for fucking eight years, this is why they, nobody hired the fucking Walker boys. I, I I hate to say it, but American sports like kick ass over Australian sports in terms of innovation. Like even watching the NFL. I've been watching a few sort of NFL highlights packages yeah. and it's pretty obvious that there's a lot of different styles and I understand that that's somewhat personnel based but it's not just the exactly the like it's not copycat stuff up and down the league I understand that there's like you know mo- movements and styles and and probably even yeah, is there like conference styles is it, you know more west coast versus east coast i'm not really sure whether that happens but- well certainly there's off- offensive styles and it depends where you know where your offensive coordinator came up through and who his inspirations were and, and all those sorts of things but there's always a continual arms race between the offense and the defense you know there's this yeah. generation of uh, you know the run pass option was very big in terms of you know quarterbacks who would Fake the pass and and throw a short you know throw a short pass or fake the run and all this kind of stuff to try and throw a lot of motion to kind of confuse the defense. But the defense would respond by um, showing different looks before the snap to what they actually went into when the snap was played to kind of essentially fake the offense out into reacting and calling a certain yeah, play. Yeah, like try, trying to run into holes. Like yes. The showing them, showing there. them holes. And like yeah. we, we went through in touch, we went through a whole a, a phase of that where the defense got really good where you would never sort of make the touch. You would give them the space that you wanted them to run into and it's very hard as a touch player to see space and not run into it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's sort of like so instinctual. But you would make sure that space was moving and closing all the time and – you give them, the, you give them a, the three meters rather than giving them the ten meters or the yeah. twenty meters. The, the big, the big in NFL they call them the big chunk plays down the field. You give them the little dink and dunk, um, short yardage gains, and you don't give them the, the big gains because they're the ones that actually give up huge amounts of points. Well, even the the defense this this week, I saw one of the teams played like a like they played almost like this strip zone, so they had their. Uh, you know the, the 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 defensive line, and then the, all the players behind us was that they call the secondary. Yep. 
and that's rather the, than that's them, the, for, for those who don't know, that, that, those are the defensive backs, the secondary. So that's the essentially like the the fullback and the wingers, essentially the safety and the defensive backs. So they often end up marking either either in man or in zone. They'll end up marking the wide receivers to prevent yeah. large gains down the field. But and there's different ways of covering that. They've got Tampa two and various other ways of laying out your defensive personnel because you can you can run with more defensive backs and fewer fat blokes. In the, in the defensive line or vice versa, but you, it's all a massive trade-off and you've got to figure that out, you know, in the moment. So once you actually yeah. peel back the, the onion of American football, you discover the, the almost infinite scope for tactics and, and weirdness uh, and doing uh, shit. And, and for a, a tactics nerd like yourself, someone who really likes coaching and that sort of stuff, I'm, I'm interested that you're interested in NFL because that has actually something that it's probably not going to have a lot of translatable shit for NFL, but in terms of coach stuff, it's really interesting. I think I was always a little bit resistant to the NFL because of the some of the rants and shit around it. Yeah. Um, it's funny how they seem to have, yeah, whether that's a generational personnel change or um, it, it just like – I'm sure it's not that much different than what it was when we started this podcast. I think they had a reckoning um, during the George, the George Floyd thing. Yeah, they had to admit that they, you know, they, the Colin Kaepernick thing was a real um, difficult moment for them to get through. And I think and, and they're and in a better like space getting, than they were. They're not good, but they're in a better space than they were. You know, getting rid of Washington's owners probably doesn't hurt as well. True, although um, they're not short of racist fuckwit owners, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, as we've discussed many, many times, if you're a billionaire, you're probably not the nicest of people. Just on there are no good billionaires; they're all cunts. wasn't Wasn't the son of um, the son of your cardboard man from Carlton Pratt? Yeah, he was the guy yeah. who uh, Donald was was spilling all the all the submarine secrets to. So, just shows oh, that really? even, even the homegrown fuckwit billionaires are uh, getting involved <laughs> with the fuckwittery. But- but yeah, you're absolutely right. For someone that that loves tactics and loves, yep. you know, like even I was reading a bit about Miami's offense this week and how they're trying to run their speed players. Sort of the way they set up is those speed players are hitting the line at pace, at, at right? speed. You would think this is the most obvious shit in the world. Like, yeah, uh, literally. Like, but, but, I mean, I think it was Kevin Clark who said this is like. A five-year-old would coach football. It's like literally, let's get all the fastest players in the world and have them running full pelt whenever the snap is taken. But you don't, you can't create circumstances for that to happen Easily. unless no. uh, with, without you know engineering the circuit, you know, creating being very very good at what you do. And Mike, uh, Mike McDonald is actually um, really fucking good at what he does. Well, it's it's one of the the, the first things I sort of. You know, like the the baseline principles I laid out to my players is like, you must be running at sort of fifty percent or more when you're catching the ball. Like, do not catch the ball and then run, run yeah. and then catch the ball. <laughs> but yeah. uh, like, then you watch other teams, like watching the Patriots and watching Patriots are having a bad time. They are, oh, but but that's look, one of the greatest coaches how- in NFL history, and. He seems to have lost his fucking mojo. They have got yeah. no. I know it's a personnel issue as well, but the, the juice is leached out of them in a in a hilarious way. Um. So yeah, no, I've been enjoying that. Yeah, I should say a couple. If if you are like Bezo, are NFL curious and interested in more of the complicated shit that happens behind the fat blokes crashing into each other and the dudes throwing the ball a long way. Um. 
The Athletic have a really good podcast called the uh, The Athletic Football Show, surprisingly enough, with Robert Mays, uh, formerly of The Ringer, formerly of various other places, and Nate Tice, former college quarterback. He was actually Russell Wil- Russell Wilson's roommate in their Wisconsin days, but they're very good at breaking down some of the more complicated stuff. Bill Barnwell and Mina Kimes, although Mina's on maternity leave at the moment, uh, are excellent on their um, NFL podcast. Uh, Dominic Foxworth has a very good podcast as well. Uh, and these are good at not just doing the the facile first take level NFL analysis, but actually getting into the X's and O's and some of the scheme and tactic shit, which is actually the reason that I'm in. I I don't understand it, but I'm interested in it. Shall we? This is the Bulls podcast, by the way. Yeah, shall we? And, and I'm Doc, and he's Bezo. Should we talk about the sport that we normally come here for? Because there's been a bit on in the last couple of weeks. Well, I just I'd just like to say, you know. It's taken me this long to realise that the um, photos that you get taken during media day are the ones that come up on the screen when they're talking about a player for the whole year. Yes, and you just figured out why Jimmy Butler does what he does. (laughs) And this year he's even admitting it. Like last year he was just pretending because last year he turned up to media day with full dreadlock extensions. And people yeah. are like, what the fuck are you doing? And he says, I don't know. And then people worked out during the year, every time that he scored, he went for 50. They had to put up this photo of him looking like somebody fucked a predator. And this year he turned <laughs> up, uh, and I don't know whether he chose the, the fucking My Chemical Romance emo fringe because they missed out on Dame in the trade, but he turned up with the full emo fringe and the piercings and all the rest of it and admitted, this is my Halloween. I get to dress up. Yeah, and it's clearly this is a bit. And I can't wait to see what he does next year. It might be the full like 1981 British punk fluorescent pink mohawk. Yeah, it could be yeah. anything. He he could you know shave it all off and come home. Um, it does create a bit of distraction from the fact that Miami completely failed in their media campaign to bring Dame Lillard to the South Beach because they yeah, forgot they, they, to they, actually make a fucking offer that was worth having. Their front office lost a little bit of shine, that's for sure. They um, did. The media relations oh, department, they probably should they probably should have got the front office to work instead of the media relations because they uh, and you could tell that that I mean I don't think Portland's front office did themselves a huge amount of favors although Joe Cronin uh, I think will probably Portland's done pretty well. I think. They have, although they've they've definitely made some lifelong enemies uh, on the other the other diagonal corner of the country, um, because clearly they just saw the Miami's office yeah, and but- offer and said, "Well, we're not even going to fucking talk to you anymore, and we're going to find an offer that's but better you, than you." Don't don't you think while they pissed off Miami, every other team is like, "Yeah, we're all a bit sick of Miami's bullshit as well." Like- yeah, yeah, I think there's also <laughs> that, and there's also the fact that Joe Cronin is probably going to be relieved of his position fairly shortly because there'll be a new owner and the new owner will inevitably want to install their own front office. So essentially, he's not doing this for his own job. He's doing it for his next job. This is an extended job interview for wherever he ends up next. Uh, and I feel like he got a, he got a really good return for Dame Lillard because he turned that, you know, via Drew Holiday and various other parts into a couple of first round picks, some swaps, some useful prospects. He done pretty well out of it in the end. Um, well, and, and there's the potential to to do really well out of it because if Milwaukee have like a, a blaze of glory run, right, where they get really close or win another, another championship and then it all sort of falls apart and then Portland's like, that's when our picks come in. Well, yeah, I mean, even- I mean, they have pick swaps for two of them, but yeah. the, the, main, the pick that they get unprotected is 29. By 2029... Mm. Dame will be retired or washed, and Giannis 
that's 34 for him. He might be retired or washed as well. So it feels difficult to assume that the Bucks are going to be good at that point. But even if they yeah. even if they are or they aren't, those resources are going to be useful for when the Blazers need to trade for good parts to go around Scoot Henderson and Shaden Sharp and Anthony Simons and that core. Well, that that's the thing, right? You could be in 2027 and need a very valuable trade chip. Yep. And you need you need the Drew like, Holiday of that era. Yeah. A 28 year old version like, of that. Well, uh, you know, we've got that twenty nine bucks pick. It's looking pretty good. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I thought Cronin like that. This this stuff that Dame's like. You know, I wanted to come back and and they wouldn't even talk to me. It's like, dude, you, you burnt your bridges. Like, no, you I, I your, don't. Yeah, well, I, not, maybe, I, maybe I do think burnt, burnt your bridges is the wrong words, but it's like no. But he's, he he, he w- came back and said, look. If it works better for everyone, I'll, I'll come back and play. And they said, nah, fuck yeah. yeah. And I'm like, well, you probably don't need to behave like that. But, you know, it, it is a business. I did. I was interested in Lauren Holiday's letter about, you know, you, you say, oh, well, he got traded. But, you know, what's that actually look like for yeah. the family? And we, we've talked about this before in the context of, you know, these fucking AFL players who can't stand to be, you know, play in Brisbane for two years because they get homesick for fucking Wongaratta or wherever the fuck they're from. But it's these people, you know, in 48 hours notice, you, you now live in Sacramento. Your life is here now. It's like that's that's a lot to throw at someone. And I'm not saying the AFL should have no uh, consent trades, but it certainly puts it into stark relief, you know, what that life must look like. It was interesting. Austin Rivers was on Simmons' podcast, and he articulated oh, what I two I people think, I really don't want to hear from. Well, no, I, like, uh, yeah, I'm not an Austin Rivers fan either. But you are a big, big Bill of, Simmons fan, though, because this is like the fourth week in a row that you've you've mentioned uh, how much he, how much he does, he does Bill some Simmons you enjoy. He does some interesting interviewing, um, but he sort of articulated like the middle class of the NBA who don't get to do the Dame or the Durant thing, you know, oh, they don't. He, he's they- been on this before, and I think his point was debunked really heavily on one podcast I was listening to, which kind of unpicked the idea that the middle class is actually doing better than they were. It's just him specifically who was doing badly. I think Abastro so and, and Amin uh, actually anal- did some data on this. No, not not in that way. I'm not talking about it that way. I'm more talking about you have to be in that real top class to be able to walk into the front office and say, oh, I don't want to play. I've got three years left on my contract. You know, I, I, w- I want to go to Phoenix. Like, and the the middle class gets the flip side, which is the Drew Holiday. You know, oh, you're off to Phoenix. Uh, you're off to Portland. No, you're off to Boston. No, you're off to. You, you know, everyone else has to put up with the the being bumped around, and it's the. But the media focus is on oh, player empowerment. You know, the players have all this power to be able to go wherever they want. It's like, well, it's not actually the way. Dame Lillard couldn't get to go where he wanted. That's right. So it's- I think player empowerment is slightly over-fucking-rated. It's definitely not as – it's definitely there for LeBron, Durant, like Curry, if he ever insisted on it, uh, Giannis. But that's because it's that's because it's it's a mutual benefit. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a benefit for the Lakers to take on LeBron as much as it is for LeBron to join the Lakers. You know, it's, and 
Dame has ended up in a better place than he was in, and a better yeah, place than he, he would have been in in fucking com- Miami. He cannot complain at all, and, and he isn't. He basically, I mean, he was, and and you know, the word for Chris Haynes, who was very close to Dame because they they came up together. Chris Haynes was like a junior, um, you know, a fucking junior beat reporter in Portland when Dame was drafted there. So they've they've literally come up together. So, you know, all this stuff about, you know, fucking Chris Haynes. It's, well, there's a reason Chris Haynes and Dame are that fucking close. Yeah, there's nothing um, wrong with that. Nothing but, at all. And basically, the story, the, Haynes' story was that, you know, that D- Dame basically said, you know, as, it was clear that it wasn't going well. He said, look, okay, Brooklyn and my and Milwaukee and the Milwaukee front office move in silence. They are ninjas. They just get shit done. Unlike Jimmy Butler's hairdresser they don't do their work in public uh and and they just seth partner was good on that on the um on the uh, athletic uh basketball show because he's ex milwaukee front office he said look those guys don't talk about what they're doing in public and i think that's also what portland like dealing with them because miami did all their dealings in public in in through the media they do all the negotiations um through shams instead of fucking just you know putting offers on the table which is probably the best way to do a negotiation. Yep. So the Bucks are the favourites in the East, and I'm not saying this because I want to find out what you're going to pick first in the um in the Wizards. Uh, I'm actually slightly so worried t- for them because I mean I, I loved it until Drew Holiday went to Boston, and I remember that 2018 first round playoff series where Drew was d- the Dame stopper, and oh, the, yeah. the, the Blazers got what? I mean that was a f- it was five years ago, but. Yeah, and, and hang on. The big the big difference between that is you could literally load up on Dame. Who who was the second? Who was the second best player in that team? Can could you even remember? Yeah, I'm a I was a Blazers fan, so yeah, I was. That's what remember. I mean. Like Nurkic was Nurkic the second best this, player I in that team? I will not have this CJ McCollum erasure. Oh yeah, but okay. He like, played like shit. Lot, it, he was he was. Not it's good. a lot. It's a lot different trying to to shut down Dame when it's CJ yeah. compared to when it's Giannis. Coming off a pick and roll, and the Celtics I'm, happen to have traded all their other defenders as well. I mean, they got they don't, yeah. have, they don't have any of the Williamses. They don't have Demarcus Smart. Um, basically, a Bucks Celtic series will be like a hundred and forty to one hundred and thirty-eight because nobody is stopping nobody. Well, my, my problem is what are your problems? Uh, like, like who, who? Every every team in the East is is has like. Really big flaws. The Bucks this are that, terrifying. And it hasn't changed because we were talking about this the other week. That the, every team in the East looks great on paper and has a massive flaw, and this hasn't been addressed by the trades that have been made by the Bucks and the Celtics. It's just been they've just moved the flaws around. Yeah, like Philly, Harden rocked up and trained, and <laughs> like where was this? Look, I expect I'm with I'm with whoever it was in the internet who said they expected him to turn up like three days late, clutching a bag of Taco Bell, but he turned up. And he looks like he's going to be a professional because he he just kind of figured out, fucking, I'll just turn up and I'll, I'll be a professional until they send me on my way. But he doesn't even look particular. Like, I, I thought he was going to do the, you know, I've been Fat in the clubs suit. for six weeks. Yeah. yeah, like, absolutely. But he looks in reasonable shape. Maybe he knows the like, game's up. Maybe he knows he can't just keep pulling that shit because you can do that for as long as you are. As long as you're an MVP, you can do that. He's no yeah. longer an MVP level player. I think he's kind of um, time has caught up with him. You know the the Raptors. That was a lot of a lot of fucking noise uh, signifying nothing. The Hawks, the Bulls, the bull the Bulls are bad. The Bulls were a tenth place yeah. team and, and deserve to be. I d- I just like you you could have a really red hot season, right? Like uh, I d- I don't think it's going to happen, but 
But Trey Young could have a red hot season, and they could be first or second in the East, and I would not be shocked. Yeah, one bit. I don't. I don't think so. I don't think there's enough stuff around them. I mean, do- the, the Knicks could the could the Knicks yeah, grit the- and grind their way into a lot. Like, they'll be a really good regular season well, team. The, the Knicks will not. T- the Knicks won't take any nights off. But I don't feel like the. I feel like given that the Bucks team were the bet had the best record in the East. Last year, they're going to be as good on a night-to-night basis. They're not going to be the sort of team that takes nights off, particularly with a new coach no. that wants, wants to establish himself. They might have some difficulty getting established to start with. I'm thinking a little bit like Imo Udoka at the start of his Celtics time and even Missoula when he took over the Celtics. There was that lag time until – a bit less so with Missoula. There wow. was that lag time in terms of getting um, getting accustomed to the new coach's way of doing. That's the other thing is if – Porzingis misses games at the start of the season and the Celtics start really slow. Is Sam Cassell the coach of that team halfway through the year? <sighs> yeah, it's it's a fair point because Missoula, you know, hasn't really proved that he is good at this. No. And uh, I, I, like for for all the He was the fourth choice option, wasn't he? The bad juju around around Adoka. I'm much more bullish on the Rockets having a, a season where they're going to get the most out of their players than the Celtics. Particularly since it was Adoka who said no to James Harden. I just want I want to build with these young fellas. I'll give me give me Fred Van well, Vliet. Well, he's like if I'm if I'm going to have yeah, if I'm going to have veterans, I'll take Van Vliet and and um Jock Landale and Green, you know, yeah, like let, let me let me roll the, the dot. Like even a um, even a Dylan Brooks, it's like, well, the if, if he if he goes off the rails and I bench him, it's not the end of the world. Whereas if if James Harden goes off the rails and I bench him, it's the biggest story in the NBA for weeks and weeks and weeks. So yeah, and I think I feel like Dylan Brooks is relatively easily managed. You just have to let him talk his talk. At the moments where he's succeeding, and if he's not, if he's not succeeding, you rein him in. The biggest problem with Dylan Brooks isn't the talking; it's the, it's the ill-advised shot selection. And if you can control yeah. that part of it, he can talk all the shit he fucking wants. And it's going to be hard yeah. to tell him not to take those shots after he scored all those fucking points for Canada in the third place playoff yeah. in the well, World Cup. Maybe that's maybe Embiid's already given up on this season. He's like, well, I'll just win an Olympic gold medal and that'll be my year. I, I fucking hope the USA all yep, get, they get spanked. I hope they all catch chlamydia and fucking lose because there's nothing worse than a fucking a, a team of front runners getting more front runners. Fuck yeah. Joel Embiid. It's bullshit. Fuck fucking Paolo Bancaro. Fuck anybody who could have played for a different team and ended up playing for the fucking Italy. The US team's going to be a, a bunch of bunch of old guys that that are one injury away. Like if it's Curry and LeBron and Durant and um, I hope Paolo Bancaro doesn't play because that'll fu- and and he has to sit and watch Italy play at the at the, the Olympics because it'll be justified because you know you you could have you could have been a superhero for the team where you're from but no you decided to be a fucking star chaser and that that's what makes pisses me off about those guys him and and, and Bede. it's like you you it, know you're not from the USA what the fuck are you doing you're just doing it for the really, fucking pub really 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 funny if Jokic. Knock them off in the Olympics. That would. Oh God, yeah. So- <laughs> Jokic and various other itches. Yeah, because uh, they got a pretty good side. Like they they were missing like six NBA players and still made the the final four of the World Cup. So. Oh, you, you mean you mean they were missing some of their key players and didn't win? Why haven't I heard yeah. about this? Where have I heard about this before? Oh, that's right. Not the Americans wouldn't shut up about it. 
Yeah. Serbians, um, not so much. Mind you, I don't spend a lot of time on Serbian Twitter. <laughs> yeah. The Serbians start talking. That's usually when you try and leave the room. Yeah, yeah. I tend to, tend to back away quietly because some kind of uh, some kind of bad thing is probably about to happen. Love to all our Serbian listeners. Um, I haven't, I haven't wh- looked at the analytics for a while. Don't know how big. No, we are I don't know how much we're going to listen to in fucking Belgrade. Are the Warriors front office now specifically trolling Draymond Green, and is it because yeah. they get points on his podcast downloads? Because not only <laughs> there must be some kind of contra deal because they fucking Jordan Poole, and then obviously Draymond punched him out of the team, so they traded him for Chris Paul, and then they were going to bring in Dwight Howard, and now they've brought in Rodney. Rodney, Rodney Magruder, it's almost as though they're trying to create shit so Draymond gets content, so Draymond gets downloads. It feels like they must have um, well, they got, shares. they got to pay for that stadium somehow, I guess. True enough. I thought it was ironic that, you know, that the story broke that, you know, allegedly what Jordan Poole said to Draymond was that he was an expensive backpack for Steph uh, Curry. And I thought it was it's interesting that he shoots like he's wearing an expensive backpack and yet he himself is an expensive backpack. There's some kind of existential angst about that, which I thought was really quite it, attractive. It is going to be hilarious to see him in Washington with, like, no filter. Here, take as many shots as you want. Yes. Get us that high draft pick. Yes. <laughs> There's going to be some terrible shit down the bottom of the East. Just some terrible, yeah. some terrible crimes against basketball, which has always been the case in Washington. I realise that. Going back to Javaris Crittenden and uh, Agent well, Zero. Kuzma is going to, like, lose his shit at the amount of times he's going to be in a good spot for a shot and Poole is just going to completely ignore him for, uh, you know, random, you know, three seconds into the shot clock three <laughs> that that clanks off the side of the backboard. It's going to- Who oh, the Wizards got? I mean, the Wizards have got- Kuzma and Poole, who, have they got anybody else? Have they got, do they have a Bertans uh, or have the they moved him on? they point guard from Memphis, Tyus Jones. Yeah. Who I just feel sorry for because that dude's just a professional. He's an actual and, point guard. Like there are very yeah. few of them. That's what I mean. I know, uh, Amin was, was suggesting that um, Halliburton's nickname should be the last hope because he's literally the last pure point guard uh, who's got a, a chance of being like a, a an A-level superstar in this league, to quote um, Hubie Brown. Yeah, Tyus Jones will, you know, average eight assists and 18 points for a month and get his fucking ass traded out of there because yeah. they're like, you're way too confident for us. Yeah. You are you are messing with our draft capital. Off you go, son. And plenty of teams need that. Plenty of teams will need that facilitator. Oh, they've got um, D- uh, Danilo Gallinari is, yeah. is also on that side. So that that sounds like a pretty solid team for 2016. Yeah. They'll um, probably end up in the plan. It's going to be pretty bleak at the bottom of the east, I reckon. Down in um down in sort of Detroit. Yeah. I mean, Charlotte might be all right if they get their people back. Uh, I hope not. I hope they have every bad luck. I, I I just I do not like I do not like that they just sort of wave their hands and bridges is back on the side. Do not like that at all. Um It's not Michael and, Jordan's and like, fault. And, and props props to the Rockets who bounced like you know I know there was a little story about them trying to trade uh, yep. was it Kevin Porter Junior. Kevin Porter Junior. His ass straight out of the side. Yeah, like, we don't need we don't need it. Get it out of here. Yep. Yeah, but I mean, there's going to be some crap down the bottom of the West too. I mean, Portland are going to be horrible, but partly because of the level of competition in the West. I think the, the Jazz right. the Jazz might be up and down, but there's a good chance they're going to be genuinely horrible as well. Anyway, in a couple of weeks, we'll do our traditional uh, wins pool draft. Uh, we haven't figured out the format yet. 
Um, we might we might change it up. We, don't, we haven't had those discussions yet, but we'll see how we go. Is, is this an attempt to break the winning streak? <laughs> Though you'll be you'll be happy to know that we had some friends around, and m- my half and and my friends uh, other half stayed up and dem- demolished most of my winnings. Shall we say? Oh no! Um, oh no! <laughs> and and paid for it the next day too, uh, in a in a big way. So it was, the the hilarity was almost worth it. But I'd wake up and went, "Holy shit! That's 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 a lot lower than when I left it." Hmm. Oh well. Your other half has earned the right to, to get Yes, that's right. to get blistered. I, I, did not, I did not begrudge a single mill, no, that's for sure. Uh, winding that up, uh, this was the Bulls podcast. Uh, I was Doc and he was Bezo. I'm still El Fresco in the glorious outdoors of, of the Riviera of the Antarctic. I'm only wearing a hoodie and tracksuit pants and my $4.95 uh, Warriors snapback that I got from the warehouse. Um, and we will talk to you. Next week with a question mark because I'm not sure if I've checked the calendar is whether we're both on next. Yeah, week. I think it's it's next week and then I'm off the week. Then you're after. off for a couple of weeks and we'll get we'll get Adam in. I think so. So yeah. next week does that mean next week we have to do the windspill draft? M- might be. We might have to no, check. Surely our we've got. Surely, yeah, surely we've got some some space there. We'll have to check our calendars. Um, um, anyway, because the um, the league tips off like the 25th our time, I think. Yeah, I think it might actually be next week. Might have to be. I think it does. I think it has to be. Because (laughs) next week is the 14th-ish. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to have to be next week. It's going to have to be next week. All right. (laughs) Watch as uh, listeners uh, as we do our fucking scheduling live on the podcast. Windspool coming next week, whether we're ready or not. Spoilers, we're not. What, which usually helps me when I when I did the most study and and put put a lot of thought into it is when I did the worst. So well, well let's talk about ideas because one of the ideas I had was what if we went conferenceless? Oh, that's very interesting. And what it, that would mean that in order to make it fair for the drafters, we'd probably have to go to a serpentine draft. You know, going yeah. you know one two three three and then four three back. four and then it goes back the other way. But which, which tends to be what they do in, in like fantasy drafts. And that makes it roughly. I think there's statistics to say that you're better, very, very slightly better off if you do X, if you're X or Y, but it really depends on the, the profile of what you're picking from. And, it, you know, it's, it, it's hard it, to it'll certainly, it'll certainly reveal some prejudices about conferences, won't it? I think there'll be a lot, a lot of East rubbish floating around at the bottom. <laughs> when there's when there's ten straight West picks, well, I mean, it's like, oh, you, all right, I you, guess I've got to pick Chicago. You pick where the wins are, don't you? I mean, although yeah. the West teams have to win games off other West teams as well. So I mean, well, like, th- that's the, that's the other question. What are, are we do? Are we doing bonus points for uh, um, mid season playoff? What are I, we doing with the mid season playoff? I guess we just there's only one game in that that isn't. In the regular season, I think we just sort of see what the we, we should do. We should do like we, a we just see what the platform tells us. We should us. do like a five, you know, or a ten bonus points if you can pick the final. <laughs> if you can pick the, or if, if, you one of your, pick if, the, if your teams end up in it, I suppose if your teams end up in it, you'll be playing an extra game, so you might have a chance for an extra yeah, win. Exactly. But um, yeah. yeah. Anyway, those are all ideas, um, and we'll, yeah. we'll figure them out over the week. But uh, so, uh, win spell next week. <laughs> all right. We won't know what the fuck we're doing, but uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. How have things changed? All right, Doc, I'll catch you on the flip side. Cheers, man.
That's us doing gingerly live on the podcast. No idea what we're doing. Oh, well, I'm going to get whiskey. Yep. <laughs> You've got any left? <laughs>